Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant, and with me, I've got Danny Bouvet. He's a senior firefighter at Mooresville Fire Department in North Carolina. He's going to be talking to us about a grab they made on January 11th, 2022. Uh, so Danny, welcome. How are you doing? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your uh, fire department. Um, well, my name is Danny. Uh, I've been a firefighter at Mooresville for, I'm on my 16th year now. Uh, I hold the current title of senior firefighter, which is pretty much a relief driver. Um, we have six stations working on number seven, uh, hopefully from what the chief said, breaking ground in July of this year. Uh, we have five engines, one rescue engine, uh, two aerials, one's a straight stick and one's a uh, mid-mount mid tower ladder. And I'm at station six with uh, ladder six. So and on a, nice. Um, on a regular alarm, what do you guys get for that? Uh, on a structure box, we get four engines, the closest ladder, and a battalion chief. And if a uh, regular chief's available, if they're close by, they also respond. But normally it's four engines, one ladder, one battalion. Cool. Then who who does what on your fire grounds? Is it instant command driven? Is it uh, pre-arrival assignments or what? Uh, so we utilize blue card. Um, so first engine is going to arrive on scene. They're going to investigate, depending on what they got showing. They'll either operate in the offensive or defensive strategy, uh, followed by next thing is assigned you, uh, by command would be, like, if you have fire showing, be pull an additional hand line off of the first in engine for primary search, fire, fire control, stuff like that. Uh, so technically, we don't, like, have predetermined assignments, Um and an engine can do search if the ladder's not on scene yet. And then what's your search culture like for your department? Uh, so, like I said, typically it doesn't have to be the ladder to do the search. So if, if like, engine three arrives, third do, and they're assigned search, then they're going to go ahead and they're going to go ahead and complete the search. Uh, we're not allowed to split crews. Uh, we have to kind of, the officer needs to remain in contact with the fireman. So I guess you could say it's more of a, I think it's a tactical driven, however you want to call it. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, and then what, what's it like when you guys, when you get new people on your department, uh, do you guys put them through your own uh, like in-house academy or what do you, how do you guys train like new people? Uh, normally they go through at least, uh, well, I think if they're certified, they go through maybe a couple week type deal where like they get acclimated to the way Morsel does it. But if you have no certifications, I think it's usually at least six months. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, why don't you take us to January 11th and talk about this call you guys had? Okay. Um, so I was at station three at the time. That was my current assignment on engine three. Uh, so the way it works is if the, we, we work with county departments as well. So if, uh, the incident is a mile and a half between the county and the city, you get, uh, the closest two city engines. So, um, that particular day we got dispatched with the county. Uh, it was their first due to a residential structure fire. Uh, dispatch said that, uh, the male 
lady was on scene advising smoke showing from the residence. Uh, didn't know if anybody was inside or not, and that was pretty much all we got. So we got on the truck. We're heading that way. Uh, we noticed the header. My captain at the time called in. You know, he's got smoke showing from where we were at. It's probably going to be a working fire. The first in engine arrived on scene, which is a county engine. They arrived on scene, advised a single story residential structure. They had smoke and flame showing. They're going to be pulling a uh, attack line for primary search fire control. Uh, so the road that it was on uh, at the main intersection, it's a dead end road. So there was one plug in at the start of the road and it was a long way. Uh, we carry 1200 feet of five inch and we pretty much used all of it. And it still wasn't even, we still weren't even close to the house. So um, my captain relayed the message and they advised to just come on scene. Uh, they all had the other trucks pick it up. And we uh, arrived on scene. It was just three of us, my driver, my captain, and myself. And um, we pulled a additional hand line off the first do engine. Uh, this actually goes really good with the training that's being spread out because the front of the house was just cluttered with items everywhere. So making a clean stretch wasn't the case on this one. Um, we had to definitely be cognizant of where you were laying your lines and uh, to trying to get to the fire. So the first thing crew though, they went in through, or they tried to go through the Bravo side door and they were having a hard time gaining access. So they then regrouped and went in through the Charlie side. Uh, my captain and I, we stretched the line and we decided we're going to go through that Bravo door. Um, I'm not sure what was with the door, the issues that, that were involved there, but he was able to like pretty much bum rush the door and break it in half. And we were getting ready to go in to do a search, me and him, while the first in engine was on the Charlie side, putting the fire out, which I believe it started somewhere in the kitchen area. As, um, we were packing up, making our way, I'm getting ready to go in. The smoke, I guess the airflow from the door being open, it just lifted just right. And as I was going in, I'm looking at a head, looking at me face down on the ground. And I like stopped, looked back to my cat and was like, we got a body right here. So then uh, how far in was the victim? I would say less than two feet. And that was, so you guys went in Bravo side, saw the victim, victim conscious or unconscious? He was unconscious. Okay. Uh, and then so you guys uh, just dragged him as you found him? We attempted. Uh, this was this patient was pretty large. I would say he was over 240, pure uh, dead weight. So I tried to just kind of grab him underneath his arms and pull him out, and I couldn't do it. Uh, luckily, since it was just me and my captain, because my driver was assisting the first-in driver with securing a water supply, we had one of the volunteers from the county show up and we he teamed up with us. So it actually took three of us to just drag him out of the threshold. And as soon as we got him out where we could start uh, working on him, I immediately started chest compressions because he was not breathing. Uh, was, it, was the difficulty in moving him just because of the sheer weight or was he slippery or... He was a little slippery. He had some, some burns on his face that I could see, but he was just pure dead weight. 
So, uh, so then you, you went into, uh, immediately doing CPR and you guys ended up rendering medical aid. Do you guys have, do you guys carry, uh, cyano kits or anything? Uh, our battalion chief does, uh, the two, so the, uh, Moorsland fire department and Statesville fire department, which is our neighboring, uh, city department, they both battalions carry the cyano kit. I'm, I think EMS, uh, supervisors do, but I know for sure both battalions for the departments do. Uh, we have just regular AEDs, medical bags. You know, we're we're pretty much EMT basics. Gotcha. What would you say the uh, the time was from arrival to victim out? Um. So the call came out at eleven nineteen. It probably took us a good five six minutes to get there, and then we had to you know we were assigned to secure water supply, which didn't occur because the lay was too long. I would say probably about 15, 18 minutes. From dispatch, do you think? Or from, from arrival? Yeah. Okay. What about what about from the time you guys hopped off the rig at when you guys made it up to the house? Uh, I'd say five minutes. So what do you think? Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty good. And, and looking back at this call... If you had the power to change things, would you change anything as far as having second do get water supply or anything like that? Or or what would you be telling your crews? Uh, no, no. I mean, I think besides the super long lay, I mean, we we weren't hurting with water. Their first in engine, uh, I believe, has a thousand gallons. Ours has a thousand gallons. So there was they had plenty of water with extra trucks coming in. Um, I really wouldn't do anything else wrong. I'm not sure what happened with the door. Uh, from the first in crew. Uh, I, I don't want to speak on that because I don't know. I just know that they're having difficulties and they audibled, went in through the seaside, were able to make access, knocked the fire down. My captain just, like I said, pretty much, it was a, like old wooden door. So he pretty much broke it in half, like gave it a good shoulder thrust, folded it in half. And as we made entry, the smoke lifted just right and his face was right there. Nice. Uh, two other questions. First one, um, did you guys end up going back in to finish your search to see if there's anybody else in, or was that another crew? Uh, so as soon as we pulled them out, like I said, we started rendering aid. Uh, by that time, other crews were there, and they pretty much took our hand line and went in and finished the job that we were assigned to do. We pretty much stayed with that patient uh, and worked them until EMS got on scene. Nice. Um, and then you, you mentioned that the uh, the front yard, the yard was pretty cluttered. Yes. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking if it's cluttered on the outside, it's probably cluttered on the inside. What were conditions like inside the house? Uh, it wasn't the greatest. I'm actually, uh, I have a picture I can send you of what it looked like up front. But uh, it definitely wasn't the greatest. There were lots of obstacles to get away from. So if we did go interior, making the stretch for sure would have been a little tough. Gotcha. Well, cool. Uh, anything else now that uh, post post grab that you do different or tell the junior firefighter coming in uh, they need to be prepared for? Uh, one thing for sure is uh, regarding training. Uh, you know, we like to, I definitely like to train on the basics, throwing ground ladders, stretching hose. Definitely don't keep stretching hose in an area that's wide open because that's that's going to give you a false sense of security. This house we pulled up on, I mean, there was literally stuff all in the front yard. You couldn't just make your stretch 
flat and go with it. Like you had to move objects, move around objects. So definitely train the way the real world's going to be because there's no perfect, not all these homes that you're going to go to are going to have, you know, perfectly wide open spaces where you can stretch in a straight line. You're going to have to go around objects for sure. Definitely uh, throw, throw your ladders, uh, get comfortable with doing that and just uh, have a positive mindset. Very nice. Yeah, I had we had a we had a bread and butter fire last week in uh man, it just went perfect. And you know, we were talking with the guys afterwards and it was like, it is so nice when you can make a routine fly ball be a routine fly ball and not a not a diving catch or anything. Right. And uh, you know, the point when we were talking about it out in the front yard is like, how cool is it that we practice enough on the stretch, we practice enough on the uh masking up and all those things that man, the, the guys didn't even realize they were doing those things. And so they freed their mind to to figure out everything else that's going on in the fire ground. Like you said, the door, uh, you know, if you got victims or what the smoke conditions are doing, all those variables that we can actually take in when we're not trying to fight a mask or fight fire hose. So absolutely, that's a, that's a good point, Danny, for sure. And well, also cool. to, um, for firemen out there, definitely, you know, like I know the way we train at Morzel, sometimes when they, when we're searching a building for a victim, they'll put a victim right next to the door. That's where that victim on that actual call was found within two feet of the door trying to get out and unfortunately was not able to. Yeah, that's a great point. And you look at the numbers from firefighter rescue survey and the amount of victims that are found uh, within five feet of the door is really high. I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but uh, go check that out for sure. And this story definitely hits that home. Well, cool, Danny. Well, I appreciate you sharing the story. Um, if you have a grab or assist, uh, alive or deceased, we want you to go to Firefighter Rescue Survey and share that information. Um, the, the numbers are just over 3,000 now, which is pretty impressive. Uh, those numbers are for us, by us, and, and what we use to teach uh, what's going on in the fire service. If you want to share your story, um, I'm a, I'm a, I like to hear stories rather than numbers. Uh, so that's why uh, I, I, this is my jam. But uh, you can get a hold of me, uh, Grant Schwalbe, uh, Grant Schwalbe at gmail.com or call me 239-898-0843. Send me a text and we can get these recorded. But until next time, I appreciate you listening. Thanks.